This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow, and tonight I thought it'd be kind of cool to change things up and do a React video. So I have invited my good friend and mentor, Carm Capriotto, the president of uh, Aftermarket Radio Network. I guess you would say, hi, Matt. Hi, how are you? I'm great. A mentor. Thank you. No, thank you. Oh my God, this is great. I'm excited to do this, Matt. I know you have been burning your butt off to say, Carm, we got to do a React video. Would you do one with me? And you always pick them, bud. You always <laughs> do. We didn't do 100% with the bear, but back in July, it was episode 93 of yours. We did the bear and I have told so many people about it and we have turned so many people on to watching the bear. In fact. Great show. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of a reaction. We kind of did something like that with The Godfather. I've done stuff with relating certain things to auto repair. And I just thought this was a natural evolution of that, that we watch something uh, together and react to what we're seeing and how it relates to our day-to-day in the repair profession. And you have a very, very unique perspective on our profession as a member of it, as well as really a, a confidant in some cases and a medium almost to uh, take that information in and spread it around. So you have a very, very unique perspective on things. And then hopefully mine's more kind of in the bays, behind the scenes, and maybe a little bit managerial. Are you tired of searching for trained technicians? If so, let NAP Autotech help you build a technician with their Build-A-Tech program, kind of like Build-A-Bear. These three-day courses cover one of four individual topics brakes, electrical, steering and suspension, or HVAC through a combination of classroom lecture, hands-on, and utilizing training mock-ups. Visit NapaAutotech.com. Every time Matt sends me something, Carm, you got to watch this. And I do. And I say, oh, damn, I got to go get my pad, my yellow pad. So I go get my yellow pad. And my wife is looking at me. She says, is this homework? Did Fonzo give you homework? (laughs) What is going on? And so, yeah, I took two pages of notes watching this episode of Gordon Ramsay. We talk about the healthcare analysis to our industry a lot. But I tell you, Matt, I think that this food industry has so many same parallels. Yeah, it's a service industry. It's kind of got a front of house and a back of house, if you will, very much like a repair shop. And yeah, I just think the comparisons are very striking. Small businesses... So there are trials and tribulations as well, same mistakes, stuff we see every day in our profession. So we're watching Kitchen Nightmares in the USA. It's kind of a new season. I think they're calling it like season one, episode one. But yeah, it's a reboot. Get it a while back. This is the 2023 version. I think it's on Hulu. It is on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, definitely check these out. We're watching episode two. Yeah, hopefully uh, you get a kick out of watching the show natively or raw and then uh, hopefully you get a kick out of our reaction to it so yeah i know we know this to a fact we're going to find out a little later in this show that uh, the credit cards are maxed out i think child in college may have to pull them out if they go upside down and bankrupt if you saw the chef is a key player in this whole thing i want you to watch carefully what's going on with the chef but maxed out credit cards haven't taken a paycheck over the eight years i've been doing podcasting and talking to coaches in in Shop owners coming on and telling their deepest, darkest, I was here in a dark place and now I am. What was dark about it? We've heard this story over and over again. Yeah, I mean, you're doing whatever you can to keep the doors open and keep everything rolling, get your staff paid, keep them paid and working for you. 
instead of starting to you're hemorrhaging money to want to be hemorrhaging employees, skipping over the fundamentals really. Cause I yeah. think what you see is that over and yeah. over is missing the fundamentals. There's front of house and back of house. I mean, it, it it's is. the conflict and the lack of communications and what's the bell mean? Who gets to decide what, who knows what they're talking about? I would say the owner. The owner. And then I'm thinking the customers, if the customers send their food back and they're not happy, he blows them off because they don't know what they're talking about. It'd yeah, be like a mechanic blowing off somebody complaining about greasy fingerprints on their doors or the brakes still squeal after you did the brake service. Customer's always right, Matt. Nice, beautiful oak stairway to get up to the office. Yeah, he's kind of going up there to hide from his problems, eh? Yeah, he's hiding. It's almost like a brain fog, right? You see this time and time again. If this is a restaurant down the street, he'd go in there and be able to tell exactly what's going on and what people need to do. But since it's his establishment. It's almost like you can't see the forest from the trees. You're right. He was so emotional, the owner. And Matt, I'm going to tell you, this is repeated in our industry so often. And yet we go home, we're very upset. We have very confidential one-on-ones with our spouse, our significant other, in the uh, the struggles that we're having, the money we've invested, the time that we haven't cashed a paycheck, et cetera, et cetera. I can't find anybody great. I don't make enough money to hire great people. Thank you for listening. You get it off your chest and you get up and you do the same damn thing the next day. And I guess the point is, is let's use that emotion if you've got it and you're in deep doo-doo, use it to make changes. Yes. Wait a minute. It'd be like Matt Fonslow walking into a shop saying, oh my God, Matt Fonslow is here. And if he doesn't like how I diagnose this car. Yeah. Or a business coach, right? That they had their own repair shops have helped how many others succeed. That's what's so perfect about Gordon Ramsay. In fact, he tried to order something off the QR code and the technology wouldn't work. Yep. And boy, was he pissed. And so he had to go on the website for the company and scan the menu on his smartphone because they don't have a piece of paper to show to him as a failsafe in a system or a policy. So that'd be similar to maybe a service manager or a shop foreman, a tech. Yeah. Everything is homemade. As you watch this, you're going to realize that that's a lie. And I can't imagine that we would be telling people we do all kinds of training and we don't. We do quality assurance at the end. We verify, we wipe your car down and we don't. It would be the similar kind of situation inside of our own businesses by saying things that aren't true. All our techs are certified. None of them are. Right. Almost trying to assume what you want to hear and then saying it, trying to earn your trust, trying so hard to earn your trust rather than actually doing things that would over time demonstrate competency, honesty, integrity, and then gaining trust. You know what I mean? Like I do. I heard this one analogy. It's more the nature of it was for dating. Rather than run around trying to capture butterflies, sometimes it's better to really work on your garden and the butterflies will come to you. And I think that translates to a business where You can run around and try to trap these customers, you know, with coupons and snappy ads that get them in the door, get the phone to ring, tell them whatever you think they want to hear, get that car in the door, get their money. Where if you concentrated on the really the fundamentals of a small business slash auto repair shop, we do fix vehicles the right way the first time and return the vehicle as it came in or better. Meaning like you wipe it down. It's not going back out with greasy fingerprints or shoe marks, boot marks. Really focus on the garden. Don't worry about running around trying to capture these butterflies. 
I've watched many, many episodes of Kitchen Nightmares, the US version, the UK version, Bar Rescue, stuff like that, where they're always so delusional about this. It's always my food is so good. One thing he'll like is our food. And it's like going into a repair shop and all our customers, like they like how we treat them. They like how we fix their cars. We fix their cars right the first time. And then you find out the whole morning, every morning is dedicated to fixing the comebacks. Different sizes of wings. I found that fascinating, Matt. How could you cook this different sizes of wings all at the same time to come out of the same doneness? I was just blown away by how complicated the food business is. And trust me, how complicated our industry in our business is. Oh, yeah. Here he is. He's complaining because Ramsey's not happy. And because this guy, his ego is so big, he can't do anything wrong. He's the gangster chef. Ramsey has, what, 70 restaurants that he runs? Yeah, worldwide. Worldwide. And now he put that famous imported canned cheese. Ramsey knows what real cheese sauce tastes like. That's one thing, like, you would think people would figure out over time is the guy's got a wicked palate. Man, part of the whole premise of this show, I think, and if you deep down think about it, it's the customer knows. The customer gets it. It sees it, it feels it, it knows it, it compares it. And here is Ramsey just putting his logic of all of his years and his expertise in this thing saying, the customer's not having a great experience. The comparatives at our counter compared to what's going on here are so different because they drop off their service work and they leave and they're in this big trust mode that everything's going to get done right. But the quality of the repair, the experience that they had all rates into the same thing here Ramsey's talking about. Yeah, and it's just the scoffing of the customer. I get it. It's Gordon. He's probably seen a few episodes of Kitchen Nightmares. He knows what's going on and kind of going to get his digs in on television. But to the customer, you're scoffing at what the customer is trying to tell you. I don't like when I come to pick up my car and you left your floor mats in there to protect, you know, the floor mat protectors in there. Now I got to wad them up and throw them away. I don't want to do that. I totally agree. You know, And look at a couple of things that I noticed in that segment. The staff was standing there looking at the cameras. They know what's wrong with the business. Yes. Your people know what's wrong with your business. And it goes back to culture, the behaviors, the owner who they say the wife is a really great person and the owner's, you know, intense. And the chef is from another planet. No one wants to step left or right in fear of getting screamed at and yelled at. But it looks like there's 20 people in this place. looks like a big operation, huge operation. And I think you got to talk to your people. I don't think the owner stops and listens how would you run this restaurant? Ask these simple questions of people who are on the front lines that they may know. Yep, just having that constancy of purpose. Like you said, talking to the people with the boots on the ground. Yeah. It's almost like shops that were very specialty. How many stuff? You know, the muffler shop, the air conditioning shop. Maybe they only worked on a car line, but more or less I'm thinking specialty, right? It sounds like they had small bars that were very successful, multiple, and now they open up the big restaurant bar and grill. And it would be like the muffler shop, the brakes shop, opening up a full service bumper to bumper repair shop. and All makes all models. Yeah. Yeah. Getting crushed. And by the way, we missed a section here where the chef makes $100,000 a year and the owners aren't taking a paycheck. I guess that's a guaranteed salary. I believe it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
if we're going to compare that guy to an A-tech or a service manager or shop foreman, we definitely want them to make a very good living. Yes. But they got to produce too. They have to be on the team. Yeah. And if this place is hemorrhaging money and maybe the chef does or doesn't know, the chef needs to say, listen, I'm, I'm a key component in this business. What can I do to help? Yes. He's unwilling to listen. Be careful how you approach me because you may break my heart and my ego. Look at the way he's standing. He's closed himself off. He's closed his arms. He's, he will not listen. And that work environment, careful how you approach. You know what I find difficult as they're going through uh, this, this entire process with all the people? Is how do we not make a decision? The owner believes that he couldn't find a replacement if he started to look tomorrow that could come in. And you remember the bear? We did that episode, episode, your episode 93. And you remember the respect they paid to each other by saying, chef, this started to show up at the end of this episode. And I think the head chef, the executive chef, and I don't understand how that word executive got in front of that word chef for this guy because he's not an executive at all. He's not a leader at all. If he was an executive chef, then he would be calling the people he worked with chef and there would be a whole lot more respect inside that cooking line. And I think Ramsey's driving that point home. Yeah, and it's like he watched The Godfather and he's trying to pattern himself after it, but he didn't watch the same movie we watched. You know what I mean? Like he misinterpreted things. You should rewatch it. Pay attention to Vito and understand that you work with people, work with your people. Yeah, got it. Whoever it is, the owners, managers, employees, they're so busy pointing at one another. Nobody's, everybody's waiting for somebody else to do. Somebody else will fix this. So the owners are waiting for their executive chef to step up and make them money. I don't know what he's waiting for. A miracle. The employees are waiting for somebody to do something. And they're still there, right? I mean, I get it. They're collecting paychecks. But in this day and age, they could probably find a job elsewhere that's much less stressful to work at. This is one of those shows that I just put my head down and I shook it. I was upset at the owner for not being stronger and taking a stand and and fixing his problem that he has with the executive chef. And I respect the fact that I think the owner knows what's wrong with his business. Me too. And I think the only way he could deal with his executive chef is to have Gordon Ramsay come in. It's like a shop owner that is really struggling and he, he hires the coach not to fix him, but to help him fire the people he can't. This whole situation with his executive chef, to me, makes me think of technicians in the back that they're so hard to find. We hear that over and over and over. Where can I find some good techs? I mean, we've seen he isn't that great, but he's got the potential. And I know cooking might be a little bit different than auto repair with the diagnostics. And then, of course, the repair, R&R, stuff like that. But it makes me think of the shop owner who has a tech who's pretty good, bad attitude, just a really crap attitude that just makes a very toxic work environment. But I can't get rid of them. I'm paying them. A hundred grand a year, which we're going to assume is really good. For 98 years, the Napa name has meant quality parts and service. It also reflects top quality training programs to help you build a more successful vehicle repair business. No doubt, the technician shortage is impacting everyone, but you're not facing this battle alone. Napa has the solution by making Napa AutoTech training available near you. Napa AutoTech provides automotive aftermarket technicians career development opportunities through structured, 
disciplined, measured, and high-quality technical instruction, no matter the technician or service advisor's skill level. This instruction enhances understanding of vehicle systems, increases first-time repair capability, and overall customer satisfaction. It also prepares technicians to become ASE certified. It's a fact technicians who receive training to improve their knowledge and skills have a higher sense of job satisfaction. This reduces technician turnover and increases productivity, directly improving a shop's profitability. It is vital to the success of a shop's business that today's technicians are equipped to diagnose and repair today's complex vehicles. With our ever-changing technology, the technician's knowledge and skills need to be updated and refreshed on a regular basis. As you labor over the decision of whether to send your techs to get their skills sharpened, keep in mind, Napa Auto Tech Training is an investment, not an expense, and it's available to all. Much of Napa Auto Tech's training is offered in more than one format to accommodate varieties of learning styles and training preferences so each person can maximize their learning. Whether you're more of a hands-on person or enjoy learning at your own pace, Napa Auto Tech is here to provide you with the training you need and the format that works best for you. To learn more about what Napa Auto Tech offers, contact NapaAutoTech.com. So Gordon, he's watching how the process is and how the team is working and how the executive chef is calling out the orders. He, of course, is making the final decision on what goes out to the customer. He is the face of the customer from the food perspective. Yep. Well, I mean, if you stuff people with appetizers and entrees, you will never sell a dessert. As a restaurant, you would like to be able to serve a small appetizer, a decent-sized entree, and then, hey, there's enough room for this slice of pie or cake or whatnot. And when they send the dish back, it's a comeback, like in our industry. I mean, it's a comeback, and you have to eat the cost of that food, the labor that it took to create it. You have an image problem, the marketing that you did to bring someone in, and now they're going to go out and tell 10 people. That's a comeback. And I know they edited this thing out. I'm sure they threw all these bad food things at us. But I was thinking about how many times I have gone out and had gotten bad food. I picked the restaurants carefully that I guess we go to so that I'm confident I'm going to get decent food, Matt. I can't believe how much came back. It's that classic customer brought their vehicle to you to solve a uh, knocking noise when going over bumps and you sell them control arms, control arm bushings for however much money, hundreds of dollars, hundreds of dollars, and they drive it out of the lot. And when they hit the bump to get into the street, they hear it, turn around, pull right back in, and it's like, it's still doing it. And they're upset because I just paid you hundreds of dollars for a very specific issue. And now who knows what you're doing? Are you doing this sway bar links for free? Are you charging them for that too? Why didn't you find it the first time? And of course, Gordon Ramsay's now going up to the office <laughs> and uh, he... The clubhouse. He, the clubhouse. He is pissed. It's got to be hard when you're... the Granted, it's the outside looking in, but the things are so obvious. Some of these are easy changes to make and you're up there hiding. You're in this massive debt and you're crying about your kids and your wife and your life. And now you're up here hiding. Yeah, so true. Gordon Ramsay just told the owner that uh, he should be making 70 grand, not 100 in this particular marketplace. What he's giving, what he's delivering, (laughs) what he's demonstrating is only worth 70 grand in his mind. You know, whatever the salary stuff is, is that somebody in that position of an executive chef overseeing an entire kitchen, really the whole back of house, not unlike a service manager in some shops or a shop foreman in other shops, that you have a base salary that's, you know, okay. 
but somehow you're tied to profit of the shop. Sure. Profit of the restaurant. And that's where you can make this, whatever the salary above that with not as much of a ceiling as, well, here's your salary. And it doesn't matter if you mop the floor all day and microwave chips, you're going to get the same check over and over and over. I'm not big on straight commission, but I think it's important for certain positions in the company and maybe all of them to be somehow tied to the overall performance of the business. What can you bring to the table? Anything and everything. Maybe you're great with customers. Maybe you're a really good chef. Maybe you're good at rotating through tables like a a host, something of that nature. Maybe you're just good at being out and about and get people to come in marketing. People can bring stuff to the table and the, the better the restaurant does, the better the shop does, the more money everybody makes. Yeah, great point. That's what you're doing in your shop. Yeah, yeah. And it's made such a big difference. Yeah, he's upset, the owner. He's very emotional. Got to be scared too. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to come down on him either. Oh, no, you're right. So scary. What's interesting is when Gordon Ramsay started looking at the food and they asked the executive chef, you know, what's the cost of your food? What are you, what are you paying for this? And the executive chef had no clue, no idea what the portions were costing the company. And so probably one of the problems of them not making enough money is number one, his reputation is probably bad. Look at, he got a chicken wing and the ice cream there. It's sloppy. It seems like every time Gordon Ramsay does one of these shows, he goes in and starts looking in the coolers and it's something all the audience waits for and sees the spoiled and double cooked and overcooked and undercooked stuff that's sitting in there. If you look at some of the chicken, <laughs> there it is. It's, Goodness. it's there for days. It would be like you hovering over your scan tools, you know. These are my children. These are the important things to me. We make money with these tools, with this product, with this inventory, right? It would be like letting a tank of oil run out or, you know, mold growing on something in a shop that you can't properly use for a customer's car. I see this going on and it makes me nervous about picking the restaurants I'm going to if their kitchens are like this. Or it's the cheapest parts you can get your hands on. Selling economy parts is premium. Leaving the caps off of like brake fluid, you know, which is hygroscopic and absorbs water from the atmosphere. And you've got quart bottles sitting around with no caps on them and their techs are using them, putting them in people's cars. It's attention to detail. It's caring. And then in this specific situation, you're a million dollars in the hole. Six months in, the executive chef is salaried at a hundred K. Well, that ain't the million. That's, that's 50 grand. The staff, how huge that staff is. Yeah, big staff. All those salaries are wages. And then that food, how much of that food? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I think it's going to go back to, and again, we didn't hear this in this episode, Matt, but I'm putting my head together and thinking about gross profit. The amount of food that's on that plate versus what they're charging, okay? It's like not charging enough for labor. It's not charging enough for parts. I mean, that's yep. what I think the problem is. And in the And the analogy is in the food, there's too much. If you're going to charge $20 for an item, you don't give them $18 worth of food. And that could be one of his struggles for sure. I think that's a great analogy. That's a terrific analogy that the average ticket isn't where it needs to be for the gross profit. You got to hit numbers. That's how you pay your bills. Maybe not in percent and dollars, but the percents can get those dollars for you. I learned something. I mean, I love to learn things all the time. And when Gordon Ramsay says, look at all the take-home boxes. Remember that part? Yep. And he said, a key to the portions being too big is the amount of take-home boxes that you have. 
which obviously would be hurting the gross margin on food. It takes an individual, like it takes a good quality, hardworking, wisdom-driven, been-there-done-that shop owner that can come into a shop, a coach. Even you could walk into a shop and know what's wrong within you know eight hours by looking around like Ramsey. Your portions are too big. And that's a gross margin issue. Wondering why the guy can't make any money with this level of investment. You can't afford to do the right things anymore either, right? There's not enough money coming in to be able to do the right thing, if that makes sense. So you have yeah. this comeback. It yeah. should be on the shop. The shop should eat this. You can't afford to eat it. So now you're twisting the story a little bit because you got to get the customer to keep paying. Now your integrity is going right with it. And you're watching the integrity of this the owner, the executive chef is going right down the toilet. I think these people want to be there. I think they want to work there. Sandy and her husband, they want this to be successful and they just can't get a handle on what's wrong. They need it to. I keep coming back to this executive chef. It so reminds me of a shop owner that's is really scared to lose that tech. Because yeah. how am I going to replace them? And Well, Gordon Ramsay did something really important in that scene. And he basically said, it's a new day going forward. You have a choice. You're going to stay, be with us, or you won't be here tomorrow. You're going to have to choose right now. Here's what the marching orders are going to look like. And you know, Matt, I still believe you don't need to have an outsider for an owner to lift up to the next level and do that himself. I agree. And I recall a great friend of mine who was the vice president of a company went into a business of ours and fired everyone and said when he was leaving, he says, and HR will be with you in a little bit, but I am going to hire for every one of these positions if you'd like to reapply. Nice. We're going to have job descriptions. We're going to have... Operating procedures. You're going to know what your role is and why. Pen to paper. Systems, processes. Where we heard that before. That was the come to Jesus meeting right there. And it was good. It was important. But you know what? The owner didn't have to bring in Gordon Ramsay to do this himself. And that's my opinion. Just so many people though. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's a big staff. Everybody raised their hand as to who's in. I love the twist at the end with what happens to Bobby. Yep. Me too. So, Matt, I want to make a comment about this where Gordon is having the one-on-one with Bobby. The owner should have done this. And I think this was an important moment in the show. But that chef right there, he didn't respect him on minute one of the show. And I don't understand how he is going to make a total reformation of himself. I don't see how an owner couldn't do what he just did. Yeah, I got to believe you pull somebody into the office take them out to lunch, something like that, and say essentially those same things because I need you. I need you to do this job. We have to figure out what that is. I just think they hired him, handed him the keys to the kitchen, and then hands off. He was told to go apologize to yeah. Steve, the owner, okay? And and he did. He's closed up. He's not open. He's doing what he had to do with Gordon because he's got a cushy job making a lot of money in a marketplace that doesn't warrant it realizing that the owner's not even cashing or taking a paycheck, but the chef is. And I think that took a lot for the chef to do it, but I'm not sure he was genuine in his heart, Matt. That's my opinion. It might not be. You know, it's one of those time will tell. Maybe there'll be a revisiting. You know, I worry that everybody kind of goes back to the way they were, especially if leadership doesn't stay on it. You know, granted, the executive chef should be part of leadership, but You know, he's got people above him that have to hold him accountable as well. And they could give him the tools to do some of this too, where 
my guess is he says he's not formally trained. He's never really ran a kitchen. He could cook. You know, he's one of those guys where has a party on Saturday night. Everybody comes over and just, oh my God, food's so good. So good. Okay, I'm a really good cook. And maybe you are, but it doesn't mean you can run a kitchen. Now you're going to have to learn how. You're going to have to learn about inventory. You're going to have to learn about staffing. You're going to have to learn about processes and consistency and stuff like that. He's going to have to put a lot of work in and not just inside the restaurant when he's there. He's going to have to go home and study and learn how to do this stuff to justify that salary and to maybe work it so it's more. Well, I have to tell you, there's a couple of key words we haven't gotten to yet. And I know this video is going to keep playing, but I want the audience to think of the words professionalism and friction among the team. If you think about a struggling business and if it's not your business or if it's a friend's business or it's a business down the road that you know could really use some help, we talk about this all day long about advancing the aftermarket and lifting, you know, all ships rise. And the professionalism of our industry is going to be our savior, especially trying to recruit young people into an industry that's pretty much got a dirty, ugly black eye to it. Restaurants don't necessarily have that, but the more you get behind the scenes and see the junk that's going on. By the way, let's just go back to the video. Look at this house. This is, this is not, you know, a million dollar house. This is just a normal blue collar home. Yep. And he's trying to save it. I mean, the assumption is always business owners are just killing it. They're making money hand over fist. Yeah. Time and time again. How many businesses fail in the first year? Two years. You're right. I I don't think the owner in this episode has an ego at all. I just think he has failed. There's a competence level that he hasn't been able to rise to. He succeeded before, so he's kind of rocked. All the stuff I'm doing isn't working. Yeah, but it's almost like bars are, you know, you could probably have a little oven and cook a frozen pizza at the bar. (laughs) You You can put out some nachos at a bar. If he's charging the right amount of money, there's a lot of margin in liquor. But when you add a finer dining, and I'm not saying it's fine dining, but there's no doubt he's got $30 ribeyes on the menu and a lot of comfort food. But all of that takes so much extra work than a bar. And I don't think Steve or Sandy were prepared for that. And he probably made some mishires along the way. You know, there's no doubt Bobby sold him a bill of goods and he put trust in him and he just walked away and let Bobby do his thing. And a bar, if you had a menu, food menu of 12 items total, nobody would think anything of it. Now he opens up bar and grill, the restaurant. And the idea is you got to have way more choices now. Yeah. And it isn't always the case. You're still better off doing a few things really, really good. I just said the words walk away before. And it was, man, that's pretty profound when you say, you know, I hired him and I walked away. You can't. You have to pay attention to everything that goes on in the business. Even if you delegate it in an important job like executive chef, you can't ignore it and watch it, you know, watch it die. The business yeah. die because of it. You have to pay attention to every detail you've given of, of the, that responsibility to any individual in your business. And you think about a shop foreman, you think about a lead diagnostic, you think about the service advisor, the senior service advisor. Whatever titles that you have, the controller, the treasurer, the bookkeeper of the business, are the deposits being made, (laughs) payroll numbers being right. It's a tough, tough job to pay attention to all those details. Well, anyway, we got some brand new food coming. Gordon's about ready to turn the place around. And, oh, a paper menu with limited items. The lines of communication have to stay open. You said 
about hands off when he's in there after a month, things aren't looking so good. You know, the owner is wondering about how much do we have invested in food or how many people do you have hired here? What's everybody's job? And if you can't answer these questions, now you have to be accountable to the owner. There's got to be a discussion there. And then if the owner is like, I need to really know what's going on with inventory, but you didn't give them the tools to do it, then this executive chef needs to be like, I would love to do this for you. All I have is this yellow pad and paper. You haven't given me the means to really track this stuff. You know, communication is two ways, right? You got to talk and listen. They need to do both. Both of them have to do both so that they can keep moving on and do the right thing. It could have been for the executive chef and it requires honesty and that's rough. I don't know how. We have this program. I don't know how to do it. There's no easy way, Matt. No. In anything you want to do that you want to do well and you want to do right. Every one of these behind the scenes shows that you watch on TV, it's it's a common theme. An auto repair, we see it a lot where the shop advertises, the owner management advertises that we do all this different type of work. And oh, we can service European vehicles. Yeah. And there isn't a European scan tool in the shop. And now here's it's this European vehicle, whatever make you want to say. And you're over there with the scan tool the shop has and it won't do anything. At least what you need it to. And the owner's upset because you can't service the vehicle and you're upset because you haven't given me the tools to do it or the training, you know, or a little bit of the leeway to kind of get up to speed and get some of these under my belt or the the shop's belt. That just speaks to me with, you know, you want me to do these things in the kitchen. You want me to keep track of this. You want me to do that. But maybe I don't have the means to. Maybe the restaurant doesn't have the software or the programs in place to allow us to do that. Less Least of all, quickly. To do your point, Matt, the kitchen has to have a certain amount of equipment to make certain kind of foods. Absolutely. Shop has to have certain kind of equipment to do a certain kind of job. Absolutely. And do them right and do them with no comebacks. And that, in our industry, requires 100K worth of tools. Or, I'm sorry, in a shop, it's probably a half a mil invested in, in everything. But an individual technician has, don't ever tell the wife how much you've got invested in tools. No, no. That would be bad. I know. So anyway, Gordon Ramsay comes in, he he changes some things around. He somehow goes out and he pulls a whole bunch of great people coming in for this grand reopening of the place with the new menu. And now he wants to see with the new menu, how's Bobby and the team going to do? And uh, enough team. I was disappointed in how they did, by the way. And I don't want to ruin the show for anybody. And ultimately, what happens to Bobby at the end of the show, I, I don't want to give it away. I'd love you to go watch this and see if you think me and Matt had a really good show in describing, you know, the analogy between our industry and our challenges as owners. I love the premise of the show. I mean, there's so much to grab onto, and especially as it relates to any small business person. Yeah, and this has been on multiple seasons, and you usually see the same issues over and over and over. If you were to watch these, just binge it's going to become very, very, very formulaic. Yeah. Well, guess what? If your shop's struggling or you know someone else's shop is struggling, chances are it's formulaic. That's right. And the other thing I find fascinating with these kinds of shows is nobody's learning anything from it. It's like, wow, that was really a good show. Did you learn anything? No, it was yeah. just entertaining. I don't think these business-like shows that get inside and, and look to solve people problems, process problems, inventory problems, quality problems, 
of that, that that wouldn't relate to my my cupcake business, would it? Yeah, leadership problems. Just learn to yeah. lead, and I, I, mean, I don't mean I don't even mean that really condescendingly. Like it's so yeah. easy, yeah, but you gotta you gotta put forth some effort. You're gonna have to look into it. You're gonna have to learn. I don't know that leaders are necessarily born. Yeah. So I think they had a, a very interesting reopening. Steve was was happy. Look at all the stakes that they're making. Everybody's oh. buying stakes. I think part of the show is they invite all these people and I think they pick up their tab to tell you the truth. Look at look at all the tickets that are coming off the printer. Wow. You'll even see on the floor that there's a ticket on the floor that they lost. It's a cluster that's going on. And um and he says Bobby's reverting back to his normal kind of thing. So the pressure, you know, to the degree that you got to be able to handle the pressure too. Even though you have all the equipment and you've got certain processes in place, you still have to be able to monitor with your people. Are they being able to, to handle the pressure that's coming at them every day? Yeah, I got to imagine too, if Gordon Ramsay's there that night, everybody's criticisms of the food is going to get a lot more amplified. They're going to find the littlest things. So I think the final segment is coming up, and I don't think we want you not to be able to see this entire episode, but to have joined Matt and I to just review this. Something happens with Bobby, but I have this crazy thought, you know, why is Gordon Ramsay doing this if he doesn't take a stake in the business, if he believes? Wouldn't you think that's going on? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's the case in these. Okay. I think, uh, what's his name? Marcus Lamonas takes a share. There's him, and then the, um, is it shop? Rehab. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, he does. Richard Rollins. Yeah, yeah. That might be a little shadier, uh, what he's doing, but they're definitely taking stakes in the business, if not taking the majority stake and having you earn it back. But I don't know that Gordon really does that. I think it's really, at least for the U.S. version, it's all about those conflicts. I think that's what people pay to see. Yeah. It bothers me to see that a business like these could get so bad. And I know there's coaches. I know there are consultants in the food service business. I know that. And I think as we see the growth of coaching and consulting and mentoring and networking going on inside of our industry, it's really having a profound effect. It's really helping people. You know, once you say, I need help, once you say that you need it and you get in it and you fix yourself And I think it's identical to a business that is failing. Why would you want to take the passion, the hours, the love of what you want and not try to make it something where the lives of the people that work for you can become better and whole and you can find a retirement, get kids to school, listen to all the shows on the Aftermarket Radio Network. It's a common damn thing that we talk about all the time. And some of the stories get repeated because it's time new new listeners come in all the time. Or my mind is finally ready to hear you tell us that story again. We need to do something about it to fix our life. And why would you want to become, go from a technician to ownership, fail miserably, and not try to right the ship? And that's where I think the theme of his shows are about. Help me fix what I have failed at. Right. And if you did a series of podcast episodes that was just its own thing, you know, the Phoenix series. Yeah. Where shop owner after shop owner, you know, husband and wife or the woman owns it, the man owns it, whatever, whoever owns it comes on your show and they talk about how they went to the brink of losing everything and then how they resurrected. 
We've I'll, done them. In fact, I yeah. think what I need to do is I need to put that series inside the classroom page. Our, our classroom page has all these themed episodes to, you know, to help you and your people do things. Remarkable at results.biz forward slash classroom. We've done them. And some of those stories are just heartbreaking in a good way. In fact, I met somebody at ASTE. Carm, we listen to you all the time, blah, blah, blah. By the way, Carm, we went from zero to hero. I said, tell me your story. Well, I'm going to have them on. We want to tell that story again because those are fabulous. They're fabulous. But if you did 50 of them, they would become somewhat formulaic. Yeah. Maybe not 100% across the board the same, like, you know. Thematic, you mean. There's this constant. Very. There would be many key components that are the same almost across the board. Every single one of them would share some very key points that they were missing that they weren't doing. And it might be leadership. It might be gross profit on, you know, marking up their parts or their labor, calculating up their labor rate, stuff like that. Yeah. And you would just see that over and over and over, just like you do with these shows with the kitchen nightmares yeah. over and over and over. Yeah. Everybody's chowing down and um, he's in disbelief. You liked it. So they talked about the positive and the negatives. Gordon tells Bobby that you did something I never expected you to do that you hung on. And I don't want to ruin the episode and explain what happens to Bobby here. I, I just don't. I, I think I want people to watch this. Part of the reason we're doing this great walkthrough talk through Matt is uh, reactionary stuff is not to expose the entire episode. I think if you just listen to it with a bag of chips and a Diet Coke, you'll have a blast watching this thing and think of what Matt and I just did for you to help and for the industry to take a deep dive inside. I mean, there's so many resources out there. You can be sitting down there enjoying something, being entertained, you know, with your family or significant other. And also kind of on a sidebar, taking information and applying it and going, oh my God, they're talking about me. I got to go back and think about this. How could I take this lesson and apply it to my, where I work or my business and make it better? I had a good time. Let's do it again. I, I would love to do this again. There's so many other things. The bar rescues. Oh man, the profit. I think there's a lot of material out there we could watch. I love the show, The Profit. I mean, that to me, the lessons in each and every single one of those. In fact, the ones that I love the most are the ones he walks away from. When I'd watch it with Ann, I'd say, I think he's going to walk away from this one. <laughs> it was like me taking a guess on what was going to happen in the show. We could do the shop rehabs, but it would basically be an hour of Matt being really mad the whole time. Just well, let's not raving. Because you're a whole lot more fun when you <laughs> might not be as entertaining. I don't know. Yeah. I hope we can do this again soon. Yeah. Thank you everyone for watching this uh, latest episode on diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z. I would just like to say thank you for watching. I'd like to say thank you to Napa Auto Tech Training for sponsoring. And thank you to the Aftermarket Radio Network, especially you, Carm. And Tracy, who's in the back, she's behind the scenes where she belongs, kind of running the show and really allowing me to do this stuff. I can't thank you enough, sir. I couldn't do it without her. Couldn't do it without you, Matt. Thank you. If you have any ideas for future episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm pretty easy to find on social media. You can also email me at mattfonslopodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, take care. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow, diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.